You're listening to Consciously Crude. Unapologetic truths the collective is ready for. Granting permission for the incognito spiritual badass to dive deeper into the magic of their universe. Come out of the spiritual closet. Awaken your courageous heart. Step deeper into your divine power. These are the quantum upgrades your matrix is ready for. Let's dive deep. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Consciously Crude podcast. We are really looking forward for this episode to uh, dive deep with our good friend, Corey Sheik. Corey is a spiritual embodiment activator, intuitive wellness guide, energy healer, and project vision consultant. And in this episode, we discuss and explore different tools for navigating the spiritual path. Uh, tools that have helped both Corey and us uh, during our journeys. So Sheik is a modern spiritual guide, an entrepreneur, a healer, a writer, and an ecstatic dance DJ facilitator. After walking the path of both Eastern and Western forms of personal development, spirituality, and wellness-based systems, He arrived at a deepened balance and understanding of what all are seeking, peace, love, and freedom. Sheik has explored and facilitates many different systems covering yoga, meditation, tantra, non-dual spirituality, quantum physics, cellular regeneration, human design, and modern universal teachings. He infuses this work with in one-on-one sessions and group workshop experiences, along with it acting as a foundation in the businesses he consults for and the entrepreneurial projects he creates. Sheik has a one singular mission, supporting seekers in the realization of grounded inner peace, limitless, limitlessly flowing creativity, balanced well-being, and unconditional love for life in all others. We are so looking forward to having this conversation with our good friend, Corey Sheik. If you want to connect with him, please do so through his website or various social platforms. Uh, We will list them all in the show notes. Corey and I go way back. Well, it'll be six years ago now, coming on seven years. We met in 2014. I think that's right. 2015. Seems like it. Somewhere around there. It sounds long when I say it, though. Um, yeah, and we were both in a in a different space and have evolved quite some some ways since then. But that was when I was still bodybuilding, and Corey was my first. I won't say first because. I mean, as my mom would probably be my first spiritual teacher, but um, when I was in a space of seeking out uh, spiritual guidance, Corey was the first person that I reconnected with in the spiritual world. And uh, yeah, he has a special place in my heart for the work that we did together for some time. And uh, what was going on in your world back then, Corey? Hmm. Well, it was uh, our first uh, center you know, our first wellness center at that point. So, I mean, there was so many lessons coming from, you know, not only a a spiritual perspective, uh, but entrepreneurial perspective, relationship perspective, you know, there was so many elements of growth that was happening in that period. 
It was really like a wash. I mean, uh, you know, my initial years of awakening from 2008 to say 2016 were, you know, just a real wash of of so many things. (laughs) And um, yeah, so it was a fun time. That's all I could say. (laughs) That center is actually where Amanda and I met. Yeah. And it's where Corey and I met also. So that was, I, I remember what I remember of our first meeting, Corey, was we were talking about Tantra and the microcosmic orbit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought, this guy gets it. And I'm like, I'm going to want to pick his brain. <laughs> yeah, I remember that actually. Yeah. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> We've talked about that space a few times with a few different people and how it was sort of an interesting launch space for a lot of us. Um, there's a lot of us that are still connected today that are doing uh, well for ourselves and in a place of alignment. And it almost felt like that location and that uh, what you guys put together there was really a foundation for a lot of us. Do you see that in the community? I do. Yeah, I do. And um, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, like just a gathering point for those coming into this energy. I mean, the initial visions I had of that center in 2012 I mean, you could say I had it back when I was like 14, 15, when I told my mom I was going to have a center, but I didn't really know. I thought it was just going to be like a fitness gym. I mean, it was initially, but, um, you know, when the awakening really started to take fold in my own journey, I mean, the visions that came about that space and it being kind of like a blueprint of, of many centers that would arise across the planet. Um, you know, not just our own, but like in so many different forms, as we're seeing today, uh, you know, these centers of uh, a certain vib- vibratory energy, you know, that 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 pulls together the, the soul tribe, if you will, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, a lot of these are, are kind of like trendy terms, but they're very real in 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 respect to the, the individual journey of someone awakening in these times. It's such a vital component, you know, to have that physical gathering ground, um, which we're all facing right now, you know, not necessarily having that. Uh, or at least not able to do it in the same ways per se, um, you know, it, it presents its challenges. So it's such a vital component. And, I, and yeah, I mean, I've seen it ripple. I mean, we're here today, you know, like, and uh, it's just, yeah, it's just brilliant. I mean, it's, it's beautiful to see really. Yeah. You're a one, three profile like me, right? On your human design. A six, three, oh. I'm a six, three. Yeah. So, well, it's funny. We were. I was. Uh, we had a, a meeting with some friends um, the other day, and uh, f- out of the four of us, we're all three profiles. Mm. Um, and so, you know, for those watching, don't know what we're talking about. Obviously, we're kind of diving into human design a little bit. And human design is a system that assimilates um, various tools of, we could say, divination or archetypal energy, which basically means, like, when you look at astrology or the I Ching um, in particular. These are um, archetypal systems that um, are similar to like the periodic table of matter. You know, like when you look at the periodic table, it breaks down matter in, in, in um, you know, specific subsets of elements. Um, so there is a form of that in energy. And that's, you know, typically the I Ching. And then astrology is another form of that in recognizing the archetypal energy of what we can experience in this, you know, spiritual journey. Um, and then you have the chakra system, which, you know, intertwines with that. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, all of us have gone into human design to a certain degree. Um, and it, it's, it's really just a, a real potent system to get to know ourselves, 
Um, and so, you know, understanding the three profiles is a really interesting one, especially in these times, because within the human design system, you know, there's 12 different profiles, similar to like an astrology of 12 zodiacs. Um, and each of those profiles are made up of a conscious number and an unconscious number. So when you go do your free chart online or whatever, you're going to, you're going to find what that, that number is. So the conscious number is what's going to be more front facing. It's going to be what people kind of know you as, and, and it's going to be what you're more aware of at, on, on, in, in the, the conscious perspective of yourself. And then you have the unconscious number, which in my case is three, which is, is yours as well. And this number is the unconscious design energy that kind of manifests itself almost without you even seeing it happen, but then you kind of see it after the fact in a sense, mm-hmm. uh, right? <laughs> and so the funny thing is with the three energy is that that's very much a, a topic of these times because much of what so many are facing right now is an uncomfortable um, experience with change the energy of change, right? And we're all facing change, whether we like it or not. And it's going to continue and it's going to continue to intensify because it's really just a revealing of what the universe is already always doing. It's just that if we've stagnated that change for a period of time, then we either hit the midlife crisis or the spiritual awakening or the collective mass, you know, I don't know, whatever, either heaven or hell, if you, whatever you choose, right? Um, three is the martyr, right? Yeah, the three and we is... we talked about the martyr before on this, on this podcast. So okay, nice, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the three is just very much about experiencing material energy, like the, the physical, um, through direct experience. You know, it's very important that the three is engaging life because um, they learn through failure, failure and trial and error and making mistakes, uh, learning from those lessons. So the three mm-hmm. exemplifies much of the, the core lesson that's, that so many in the collective are... Um, inevitably going to have to face in recognizing that mistakes and failure and the, the dirt of experience, that's all very valuable. Um, and we can't deny that. You know? mm-hmm. I love that. Fascinating. Yeah. Perhaps we could go into, Corey, would you be willing to kind of break down those numbers? So if someone is a one, a two, a three, four, and does it go up to six? Yeah. So, um, I'll, I'll, I'll just like briefly go over them. I mean, um, you know, for those who don't have their chart, they can go on online and just type in free human design chart. And you're going to find it just like astrology. And so in your, in your design chart, you're going to find yourself uh, having, uh, you know, a, a type, an authority, which is your decision-making energy, and then your, your profile. And your profile is similar to like in astrology, more, your, more so your personality energy. So um, the conscious number is from one to six and the unconscious number is from one to six because six is the number of the, the six hexagrams within the I Ching. And within all of the, the combinations of the hexagram, you, you actually make up 64 uh, of those combinations. But in the profile system, it's just one to six and one to six. Um, so the one is going to be the energy of uh, the investigator, the detective, the one who is desiring to really get into the depths of things. And it's almost like a detective in some form, you know, can be, or the researcher, the investigator, you know, enjoying detail and enjoying, it's very introspective, you know, right. uh, like for instance, a one three, cause I know a number of one threes about, I think, yeah. Four, that was like the one was totally my science career, right? Totally. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, funny. Um, and, and so there's a number of one threes, about 14% of the population and, uh, they, you know, the one threes are very investigative, very introspective, and they can actually come across uh, kind of self-centered, but it's because the, there's such an introspective energy that's happening within them all the time that mm. that's just the naturalness of that. And 
and again, I know a number of one threes and they carry this very similar kind of energy, um, you know, which is, which is really great. It's a, it's the expression of our uniqueness, you know? So that one, um, you know, it can match up with a number of numbers a four, uh, or a three, uh, on the unconscious side. Uh, but I'll just go in order. So the one is that in, in introspective investigator. The two is the hermit. It's the energy of talent that doesn't know it's talented. It's kind of thing, you know, like that's the two energy. It's very much has, no. yeah, like <laughs> there's a, the funny thing with the two, especially two fours. Are you two four, Amanda? I yeah. am a two four, yeah. Yeah, the two four energy is an interesting one because it, they'll be highly skilled and have a lot of talent and a lot of ability creatively in all kinds of ways. Um, but they won't really know that about themselves. Or they won't necessarily always see that about themselves. They need other people to engage them uh, and bring them out of the cocoon to, uh, you know, in a sense, see this about themselves. And because the two energy is the front facing energy, it's this natural kind of paradox of, uh, you know, with the four being very opportunistic, very involved in social energy, mainly experiencing opportunity through social, you know, friends, family, you know, like, these relationships are going to bring those opportunities and, and really going to be the core lessons of your life, the core, um, you know, uh, trajectories of, of um. your path are going to be through your relationships. Um, so it's, it's vital for the two, you know, well, I was, like I said, the paradox is, is the energy of constantly retracting into the hermit and energy, you know, of like your own bubble and your own space, but then being pulled mm-hmm. out by your, you know, companions and friends and family to, to engage, to, you know, demonstrate your talents or, you know, um, whatever, really. Yeah. So it's a fun ride. And I, again, I know a number of two fours and it's the same thing. It's like this, this, um, uh, kind of, uh, almost like blind energy to your own ability, <laughs> but then everyone else is seeing it. Like, what do you mean? Like, just do this or come out and express yourself or, you know, um, mm-hmm. but there's that energy of desiring that hermit like thing, that hermit like experience, uh, which actually makes you extremely humble. I've noticed two fours are, are generally more humble than most because, and that's a great quality to continue to surrender into because it's only humble people who other people want to compliment. You know mm. what I mean? It's like you don't want to be complimented. You're not necessarily drawn to compliment someone who's extremely boasting about their, their mm. who they are and, and all their stuff all the time, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, so I find that really interesting. And you know, we covered the three, which is again, the martyr. It's, it's the martyr basically means to go out and to experience the failures. So nobody else has to, you know, like you're putting yourself on the chopping block so that other people can learn from what it is that, you know, we're doing. Right. So threes are in constant change and experimentation. They, they are viewed in a weird way in our society because people don't understand it. Like, you know, like in my case, the six, is the number of the role model. It's the last number of the sequence. And the 6-3 in particular is the last profile number of, this, of the 12 sequence. So the 6-3 carries you know, a lot of responsibility in leadership and role modeling. However, the majority of people are going to see that the role model, but then on the personal side, they're going to see this like crazy, like weird chaos going on. Like, <laughs> like okay, there's this, there's this role model, but he's like, you know, or she is, you know, what's going on with their, their life? You know what I mean? Like they're just mm. all over the place. Mm. But you know that it, because any six profile is going to go through quite a long period of of coming into that role model energy it takes about fifty years or so. Wow. Um, and uh, but the three is always exemplifying the ongoing change. So many of you are going to be a three five. So 
the five is the number of the heretic, meaning the heretic is the one who's here to teach and bring solutions, but very practical solutions. It has a different deliverance than a six. You know, the, the six threes role model energy is more like, I don't know, like Buddha, spiritual teacher-esque. The five is much more like, I have a solution and here it is and it's for the masses and I'm going to deliver it. And, and so the three five is a very interesting uh, profile, which again, about 14% of people are going to have. And um, it's, you know, this energy of, of martyr-like energy and freedom and going out and doing all these things and then wanting to share about all of that and wanting to bring all this wisdom and all this. But I, I find three fives have generally one of the most difficult rides because they're constantly judged for the fact that they're never ending in change and chaos. And then they want to share about it all the time. They want to bring all their lessons and people don't want to hear it, you know, a lot of times. So mm-hmm. those are an interesting bunch. Uh, you know, they're very, they're very free, free beings. Um, and we kind of alluded to the four. I mean, the four, again, is that social energy. It's the influencer within the group. Um, you know, they have that ability to really influence the social dynamics. And, and again, all their opportunities come through the social dynamics. So, um, you know, whether a four six or two four, it's going to manifest in similar similar ways. But the four, anything that's on the conscious side, is going to be more predominant, and and you're going to be more aware of what's going on, less confused by it. Whereas the unconscious number is going to come, and you're just not going to know, like where's this, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Like for me at least, as, as a six three, it's like yeah, I've always known myself as some sort of a role model at any point in my life. Um, mm-hmm. But then my life constantly was changing and I was just like confusing. Okay, well, now I guess I'm into this and now I'm into this and now I'm learning this and now I'm failing with this, you know. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so over time, and that's the beauty with human design is you get to know the fullness of yourself and in the acceptance of that, you recognize there's a lot of these things you're not going to change, you know what I mean? Like you're not going to just magically make your three conscious. It's, it's always going to be this unconscious energy that manifests in a sense out of nowhere but you're going to be more prepared because you're, you, you accept it. You know, it's like, okay, well, here's the next <laughs> chapter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, so that goes for everything in the design chart. Um, you know, because I mean, the beauty with human design or any system of, of archetypal, per, I call it like personality matrix, you know, like Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, astrology, all these systems. It's not a, something that necessarily can put you in a box um, uh, if, we're, if we're being flexible with ourselves and recognizing that whatever we're learning about and within the system and, and assimilating from, from getting the confirmation of a reading or looking at your chart, reading about it, learning about it, you're coming into a place of self-acceptance so that you can first start to decondition the shame and guilt from aspects of yourself that are natural that may have been you may have been told it's not natural or not you or shouldn't be you and you know mm-hmm. that's that's a very important initial layer and then it comes into a place of recognizing that it's all still fluid you know we can't get caught up in any part of the system particularly because it's all still you know, aspects of the mind and ideas that we can very much hold on to and use as a scape, scapegoat to act in a certain way or not act in a certain way, right? right? So it, it's also uh, fluid. And, and, you know, like I said before this, I don't always like to get into all the depths because it's so individual. And when we're, when we're doing a reading, it's, we're working through a language of, 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 uh, of energy. You know, it's a very mm-hmm. important thing to understand. It's not just like, uh, nuts and bolts you know what I mean right. like, oh, I'm, I'm this type I'm this profile so I must like be like this and it's so know. intricate too like you can really go down a rabbit hole with human design and I think every it's fascinating that everyone that I have looked into it with 
it resonates so deeply with them. And I think it's because it's so complex and layered and intricate. Um, like you can, I'm sure you've spent a lot of your time. Well, you clearly have spent a lot of your time getting to know it, but um, do you really think that anybody really needs to know the, the entirety of their human design to uh, experience the best of it? Not necessarily, mainly because there are so many paths to truth. So, you know, naturally, a human design is one aspect of what I teach and what I've come into over the years. I mean, you know, when it comes to just like personality systems, I've gone into all of them pretty in depth. Um, and astrology, I'd say a bit less so, but numerology, Enneagram, and these ones like quite profoundly. Mm-hmm. And they've all been, been very useful. Um, and they've all given flavors and tastes and certain, at, at certain points in my journey to give, you know, what I, what I was needing. Um, and, and this goes for any aspect of our, of our journey, whether that's different forms of meditation or um, relationship dynamics or how we're engaging ourselves with the elements in the natural world. You know, there's so many schools of thought. And what's important is that we, when we're learning something, we play within the rules of that system. You know, which means we under, we start to understand the languaging. We get to know, like, okay, what was the original intention? Uh, you know, the, the original teacher's you know key points and the, the system. You know, we really get to know how to play that game. Mm. Um, and and as we do that, like authentically and humbly with each system, well, each system naturally, if it's if it is aligned in any degree with truth, it is begin is going to begin to purify us and heal and and work through you know the layers of our of our falsehood. And so just by that, as we continue to go through the systems we're resonant with, we continue to have clarity as to what is actually useful, you know, mm-hmm. and, and what isn't. What, what is, what is a practical as, uh, like application in my moment-to-moment reality and, and what uh, is not necessarily not useful, but just not necessary at this point. And that's really how my journey went with human design and many other systems where uh, like I was telling Amanda yesterday, you know, the first time I saw my chart, I, I missed so many things of, 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 of what it was. I mean, of course, I didn't necessarily get a great reading, but it was like my consciousness wasn't even ready for that anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I need, right? Like I, I needed just a few pieces of the pie. Um, and, and, and partly, partly, you know, part of that was my lack of humility too, right? So the funny thing is when we embody correct principles, right? Like the humility to actually engage a system without preconceived ideas. Right. It's, like, okay, it's like, well, if I'm coming from numerology and then I come into this, it's like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> I'm, a numer- yeah. I'm a numerologist or something, you know? Yes. This happens often on our path, which is, you know, a part of our karma and just our natural journey. But, you know, the more we can exemplify these principles, then we can really quickly actually engage systems because mm-hmm. we can learn, learn it very, very rapidly because we're not blocking anything. We're willing to accept it. We're willing to explore it recognize nothing keeps you in the, in any box other than the choice that you have about that you know like totally. if you think it's, yeah. in, it's keeping you in a box then yeah it'll keep you in a box but if there's a willingness then you're going to get what you need and then you're going to be able to flexibly move on if you feel or go deeper you know totally so. even the you know what you've even shared so far today on the podcast like there are things that i know that you've shared with me before and like again they like go a layer deeper and i'm like oh yeah that's why that is why I you know that is why the patterns um, play out as they do and and from what I understand uh, you know the first time that we ever kind of dove into human design Corey it was the understanding that your human design is to 
is to offer you insight into how you energetically experience this this reality or this universe. So how the energy is interacting with you. Is that accurate? Uh, in some sense, yeah, because uh, it is very much about energy. The founder was actually really, um, I wouldn't say against like spirituality because it's obviously very spiritual, but he was very um, like practical and like earth oriented, you know? Mm. So that's why he called it human design. Mm. Right? You say he was against spiritual 101? Yeah, you could, you could say that, you know, like he just, he made a lot of comments here and there. And I mean, you know, part of it, um, you know, was, you know, maybe part of his own design chart. When you look at his design chart, it very much represents how he communicated the system, which has its limitations. That's the funniest part, right? It's like when we, the, the beauty again, there's so many elements that is nice with human design or any of these systems, astrology, whatever, is when we start to understand the archetypes of ourselves in these ways, we begin to ground teachings and generalized perspectives from, you know, these great teachers we listen to or, you know, like who are popular or even just each other, you know, when we're teaching things, it grounds things because we're each speaking from our own design. Yeah, totally. Everything we communicate about any system will, no matter how balanced we are, is still going to carry the, the, in a sense, distortion or the, the taste and flavor like the filter yeah right so th- that is a limitation um if we don't see it and um and so you know that's that's an interesting point because there's there's in the community there's there's a lot of perspectives around that like you know like the energetic side the human side you know and because it's in my perspective it's all the same there is no difference totally. uh, you know and 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 uh but you know in essence yeah you're correct with saying that that's so cool and i think it's so valuable the same way that you know i i used to um, use this metaphor a lot too is like I first time I ever did yoga it was at like a box gym and it was like a it wasn't whatsoever connected to like I didn't feel connected to it at all and I just you know blanket statement oh I don't like yoga only to find you know years mm-hmm. later that when I found the teacher that resonated for me I was like oh this is so different and then found that yoga was obviously so many other things so um, the filters that teachers have, even if the system itself is, you know, structured in such a way that it is like, there's a sameness across. It's also like the filters in which we share the information that of course are going to influence it. Um, Correct. Yeah. That's a really important point. Um, especially for each of us, you know, in the coaching, wellness, guidance, et cetera, space, and likely many people watching, you know, I had the conversation with someone yesterday uh, about this and, you know, on my path, uh, naturally, I had been sharing, you know, from the beginning, you know, from my from my initial. I mean, my initial awakening was 2008, so it was a bit later. But certainly, when I had access to social media and understood the dynamics of sharing, like we do, it, it certainly started to come out very early, very quick. Um, and I also went through phases where I, I stopped sharing. You know, um, I, I you know I had a traditional Himalayan guru, you know, who was like the granddaddy of you know high level yoga in Himalayas. So that relationship was very different, right? In, in those types of traditions or lineages, uh, which the West isn't as familiar with, you know, you're not really opening your mouth for a good 20 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like about any teachings or anything. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're sitting at the feet of the, of the guru for a long time, right? And, and it has its validity. Um, like even in Zen tradition, you know, when they, when they speak to uh, someone reaching an attainment of certain uh, enlightenment or realization, it's generally s- still like five to seven years of integration before they even begin to, to, to come out. 
Oh, wow. So it's, it's extremely disciplined, right? Um, whereas now in the modern times that we're in and all the things happening and social media, we're in a sense sharing what we learn sometimes like the next day, you know what I mean? Like we're right. something we learn, we're integrating, we're, we're then communicating. And in, in my journey, I've seen the validity on both ends, right? Where yes, there's a validity to the discipline. It's extremely valuable and it will always be valuable. Um, and then there's also a validity to the recognition that, yeah, if we learn something and then we come across someone that also could be benefited from that, there's, there's nothing incorrect about sharing what, what we have directly experienced. And I guess that's the key point, right? Is, right. is the more that we're teaching from a place of true integrity, um, we're going to be able to carry the energy of original teachings because we're all teaching something that has come from before, you know, whether we've officially aligned with the lineage or not whether we read something about tantra or yoga or human design or whatever it's carrying some energetic lineage so the more that we're sharing from that place of integrity of what we actually have directly experienced this is what i feel circumvents that that pattern right because yeah. now so many people newbies are coming into so much of this and they don't know what's yoga or what's this or what that they have they may have a feeling in their heart but um so it's the responsibility of those carrying those teachings and things to deliver it based on the integrity of what they know, whether they have a certification or not. I, I don't feel that that's necessarily the absolute, right? Because, you know, even human design, I don't have a certification, but I've had, you know, uh, I've had readings from people who do and from who don't, and I've had better readings from both, you know what I mean? So like, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't necessarily tell the tale, um, but it's that integrity piece, which I've, I'm sure all each of you have faced as well on, on your path, you know, with sharing and teaching and guiding and these things. But absolutely. Um, yeah, it's an important point. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that uh, now more than ever, we're ready for these faster truths to come out. Um, like as millennials and just by as a byproduct of the society that we live in, we, we multitask all the time, right? And we absorb information so fast and we grow and we develop uh, quite quickly if we intend on doing so. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, you know, you know, we've already talked about it, how truths become we awaken to these truths and things that we um maybe have come across at the beginning of our journeys we now are, are grounded in where before uh it didn't make sense to us and that was true for a lot of concepts that i saw Corey on uh his journey with like detoxing and uh juicing and fasting you know there was a time where that created so much resistance in me and triggered me so much when he would talk about those type of things. And now I'm coming along right there with him and I'm naturally starting to fast and I'm not even really focusing on doing so. It's just, as I come more into alignment with myself, it just feels more authentic and intuitive to, um, mm. you know, eat this. Nice. Way. And how's that mm -hmm. feeling? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's just recognizing that so many multiple truths exist at all times and at different times. Right. And it's, it makes me realize and settles me into my, my own experience and stabilizes myself into my own experience that I don't have to worry about being right or wrong. Mm. And things are going to happen as they need to happen. And I can trust my experience. Um, so yeah, I feel light. I feel energetic. I feel at peace. So beautiful jazz. <laughs> yeah. That's a juicy topic there. <laughs> yeah, it is a juicy topic. Yeah, absolutely.
I remember coming to Corey's meditation class like with my containers of food and like having to eat at specific times and like being so rigid and look at me now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's so much, there's so much that can be, um, that can go through like the lens of, yeah, like the shoulds. And I, I think about it as well, kind of on, on theme of what we're talking about here. I think about like when people say like, I, I don't know how to sing, I can't sing. And I say like, well, yes, you can. You're just trying to sing someone else's song. Mm. You're trying to do it through the way that you think you're supposed to sound or the way that you've heard it, but you have mm. to tap into your own truth in your own heart and let that vibration speak. Um, and today the vibration for me was to eat a bag of chips for lunch. <laughs> I was like, this is what I want and I don't care. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's like just letting go of those, yeah, the rigidity of what we, we think is supposed to be, I guess, best for us based on um, someone, else's, someone else's idea. And that I think at the end of the day, it comes back to the intention behind it. What is the intention that is guiding this behavior? Mm. Tell me something about food, Corey. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, on that note, what came to mind was, um, I've used this example often. I think it came from Abraham Hicks or something of this nature. And it was uh, someone asked the question about uh, something about consumption in some form. And, you know, the, the answer that was given was basically breaking down um, the energy of consumption um, in this way, where she gave the example that if you use like you know, alcohol or tobacco or something on a scale from zero to hundred, zero being the least um, uh, negatively affecting you and the hundred being like the worst for you kind of thing. Um, alcohol and tobacco was like 14 or 16 or something like this, but guilt and, you know, eating something with guilt or consuming something with guilt was like in the nineties. Mm. And um, so it was just a simple, you know, example of the, the, the nature of energy and how we, you know, for those who have no idea about this, just completely, you know, just don't connect with the, the, the power of their intention and the power of the energy behind how they act and speak and think and feel. Mm -hmm. um, but endlessly so, as we continue down the path, we become more and more subtle to the um, nature of our intention and our energy and how we actually sustain energy. Like what really nourishes uh, us? Like, because when, when we think of food, the essence of food is, is nourishment, you know, like to, to, to be nourished. Um, so of course there is a physical nature to that. Um, but because we are multidimensional beings, there's many different layers to that nourishment. Um, so when it comes to food in general, we have to recognize that firstly on the awakening path, the, the journey of awakening is to become light, like literal light, L I G H T. <laughs> so, you know, the, the etymology of that is also to become lighter, you know, like, like lighter in weight, in your, in your physical weight, your mental weight, emotional weight, you know, astral energetic weight. All of these layers are going to reveal themselves over time when we are continuing to connect more subtly to ourselves. You know, like when we're moving inwards and we're connecting to not just, let's say, how we physically look, but how we think about ourselves. Right. So we have the thoughts of, or are we thinking positively, thinking negatively? You know, this is an initial journey generally for most. Mm -hmm. But then it moves a, a bit deeper and we recognize, well, thoughts are charged by feeling. You know, they're the electrical impulse to the magnetic charge of feeling. Mm -hmm. So we move into, okay, well, how do we truly feel about ourselves? And that's what's sourcing 
the thought patterns and the beliefs and you know the ideas we carry about this body and maybe just our body image if we start with that mm-hmm. um and you know we continue to move deeper in those layers so when it comes to food naturally because food is also connected and we look at the sacral chakra you know the sacral and then connected right to our digestive tract which is all our digestion is right near the sacral the interconnectivity of energy and feeling with food um is a very predominant relationship that we generally you know when we're thinking just macronutrients and things like this uh that's not necessarily a conversation that's being had but the reality is the majority of our eating is emotional you know yeah absolutely right like um you know, I don't want to use the example of the chips, but I know for me, like anger was a big thing in my, my life. And so chips and crunchy things was very much uh, the energy that I looked for when I was like frustrated or angry. I, I wanted the crunchy energy of, of chips and, and that, that grind. And it's not, it's not right. It's not an absolute, <laughs> it's not an absolute truth. I mean, we could just eat a bag of chips, but you know, that's very much, very many times in my own experience, that was the case, right? Likewise, when we're looking for connection and we go through the chocolate, we're looking for that intimacy and that feeling. We look for the chocolate, you know, like the sweetness, that that feeling of of, of comfort within mm-hmm. ourselves. Grounded, warmth, like totally. Right. So, uh, food food is very much an emotional relationship, um, and so that that is a that is an important element that when we're doing energy work, when we're doing our meditations, when we're connecting authentically, you know, speaking what we vulnerably would like to share. These are all ways in which these energies come to the surface. And through that healing, there's a very clear relationship to then what we choose to put in our body because the same things we're craving that we think are for the protein or for this or that, you know, isn't necessarily always the case. And then just like a leaf falling off a tree, those cravings many times just kind of, you know, move away. Um, But that also requires many layers of physical detoxification, which, you know, is much of the work I've done over the years. And that topic is is a touchy one. Obviously, because, um, you know, again, it's not just because we're worried about the protein or if I just do juices for your days, I'm, you know, I'm not going to have my, my energy. It's very much because I'm not going to have that emotional relationship, mm. you know, that's there. And, you know, that's why those triggers arise when a lot of people hear about fasting and things initially, right? Oh, for sure. So, so that's, that's the, the, the initial kind of layer of us recognizing an, a, our new, new perspective of what food is, which doesn't deny macronutrients because that's still an important layer or can be an important layer. Um, but, you know, we're nourished by many other different aspects of, our, of ourselves. The food is a part of the earth realm, right? Which is also, um, uh, the earth also represents our connection to the earth through our bare skin on the earth, like our feet on the earth through grounding or hugging a tree, which is where tree hugging came from, you know, like, but it's actually a very important element of our, of our grounded experience. So earth element is very much um, where the food comes from, but there's three other elements that are very important, right? Like what is our connection to our water, which again, food is interconnected with that because the, the most, the highly, the the most highly, um, uh, you know, nourishing foods are going to be high water content for food, like fruit and, and vegetables, uh, because that's the way we're going to be truly hydrated, right? Instead of eat, instead of drinking eight glasses of water all day, we're getting the water from the fruit, right? Right? And you know, like for me, I drink maybe a glass of water a, a month. Um, <laughs> I really right? I and, resonate with that. <laughs> um, and it's not an it's not an end all be all, but when you do get rehydrated, you're not necessarily going to need as much of, of the water because again, you're you're focusing on the the bigger picture, not just a compartmentalized approach like you know, typical nutrition 
may present things. Then we have our air, right? And and the the, the air element is the really the only element that we can go the least amount of time with. You know what I mean? Like we can go a little little bit longer without water, a lot longer without food, but air, you know, you can go a couple minutes maybe, right? Mm-hmm. So you would think that, that we would recognize the importance of how we're nourished by the breath, you know, and then the quality mm-hmm. of the breath and the quality of how we're nourished by that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one would be the sunlight, right? The sunlight um, is, is what grows everything. Everything and every, every food we can come to know is grown mainly by where the, or is connected in some form by how the, the sun helps, you know, that food grow and then inevitably comes into our body. Mm-hmm. So, all I'm getting at with, with this is, is recognizing that the elements in which make up this body have a hierarchy to them. And we have to focus on all of them to be truly nourished, you know, w- within the entirety of our being. Um, of course, energy being the source of all of that. And the funny thing is, one of the ways we're nourished the most, right? Like the days that I fast the easiest are generally the days where I'm connected with people because people are the, are the elements in form. And we're literally nourished by all the elements when we connect deeply, intimately with somebody, mm-hmm. right? Because they're, they're a universe in themselves. So the, the, the nourishment of intimacy and love, I mean, it's by far the most important one, um, you know, than, than all of them. Food being, in a sense, the last one from what we've been talking about here, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, so, yeah, that's generally how I approach food conversations now. And that's, that, that at least sets the, the stage for then how we navigate, okay, well, then what foods do you want to eat or not eat or this or that, you know? Um, What are your thoughts on like when people say like something is good or bad for you, like this is a good or healthy food versus this is like bad junk, whatever. Hmm. Um, You know, we can only really navigate that conversation by our own subjective experience. So my question always back to them is like, well, how do you feel about it? You know what I mean? Like, what do you feel about eating that bag of chips today or not or this or that? Or like, what, 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 what do you feel, right? Because the most important element, like we alluded to with human design, same with food, same with any aspect of this journey, is that at any point in which we make anything into a dogma, you know, or an idea within the mind that we hold to inevitably, like, like, or endlessly, you know, it's like, okay, this is my belief. This is my belief. It's like, it's very efforting because you constantly have to reinforce the fact that yeah. you believe this and not that, right? Questioning um, your integrity every time that you want to veer outside of that dogma and then judging yourself for doing that. <laughs> correct. You know, and, and go like kind of sidetracking a little bit, but it's very relevant because especially in these times I, I was seeing uh, uh, yet another do I wear one of the comments uh, in I just I just don't understand all this conversation because I've just continuously tuned to my energy and what what I intuitively felt in each moment and I just listened to that and most of the time it says I don't necessarily need to wear a mask but sometimes I felt like I did and I did and that's just what I keep coming back to is this, this random woman that was commenting and, and, and I felt like that was, that was basically wrapped up my entire perception about the mass conversation, you know, like, um, you know, like it's, I, I haven't worn a mask that often, but I don't, I don't know. I went to see an apartment and the lady wanted me to wear one. Okay. I wear one, you know, like there's no issue. I don't, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm controlled by her or something like the food thing. It's the same thing. It's like, and human design can point the picture to that a little bit of how you make your decisions. You know, if you're a sacral and you feel things in your gut or 
emotional or this or that. So you had to wait things out. That'll help you determine, but really like tuning into yourself when it comes to anything in particular, that's going to light the path of such simplicity. You see, you know, like the nature of good and bad, there is in, in, in essence, good and bad. There is righteousness and unrighteousness. It's like you walk out, of, out your room and you see a child getting hurt. There's, there's nothing in you that will, unless you've chosen the dark path, <laughs> there's nothing in you that's going to say that that's okay, right? Yes. So your, your, your natural impulse will be to move in the direction of, of, of balancing that, that circumstance. So when it comes to food, it can be in a sense that simple when we move through the layers of detox because it's one thing to listen to your body. It's another thing to have to listen to a body that's damaged, right? Or mm. a, a body that, that has gone through a lot of things because mm. you, you, nece- you may not necessarily know what you're listening to. Very right? interesting. That's an important distinction, right? So how do the different, um, how do, in human design, what are the differences in terms of the authorities and how to check in with the self and listen to aspects of self that way? Sure. Um, the, the decision-making authority, well, the inner authority is the decision-making uh, energy within human design, for those who don't know. Um, 51% of the population will be emotional authority, which means, uh, yeah, myself as well. And... Uh, and so this means basically that we're constantly in our own waves of emotion. And anytime we ignite, we kind of engage in something new, something that's kind of moving through a, a new chapter, a new uh, cycle, um, we're going to move through a new cycle of emotion. So let's say if you're a generator and you're put in a situation where you're asked to go to dinner uh, and you, you know, I use this example often because it's really simple. So you get really excited and in that excitement, you say, okay, let's go to dinner. And then a few hours later, you kind of come down and now, uh, you realize, wait a minute, I'm double booked because I had something already planned and I, just, I was just really excited and now you've got to you know, handle that situation, right? So it's or kind of I a, just really don't want to go to dinner and I didn't realize that because I was caught up in my emotions. That's a, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you kind of now went through that, that, that kind of phase and all of a sudden you're, you're clear because you're seeing both sides of the picture, right? You're seeing I was really excited and now I'm seeing, wait a minute, I'm actually not that excited or it's just not the right time. And, and now all of a sudden okay, well, what do, I, what do I do in this situation, right? So you kind of get caught up in this mess. And we could say, you know, a good you know, portion of the population is kind of caught up in this because constantly making decisions in the fog of the high or the low, you know, the excitement or the fear. Um, so the key with the emotional authority being is, is waiting. Waiting is the best bet. And there's almost like, there's kind of this funny saying where like you can't wait long enough. And in my experience, that keeps ringing true and is experientially true because whatever's meant for you is going to keep coming back around anyways. So that, that person who wants to bring you to dinner is going to keep coming. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, if they're really meant to, if that's really me- meant to happen. Um, so you can keep waiting because the universe will just keep sweetening the deal. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the longer you wait, the more clear you're going to become. And in the body, cause it's very much a body experience. It's not a mental decision. It's okay. Does this feel natural? Do I feel neutral about this, this decision? that I'm, that I'm here to make now, you know, and it's, it's the same as if you have to go to the washroom. It's not this complex like discussion, you you, you know, you're not like (laughs) questioning yourself and like judging and all that. It's like, well, I have to go to the washroom. So you get up and you go and there's a naturalness to that, like touching your hair, there's nothing to it. So this is in essence how we can make decisions. If we're an emotional being, we can get to this point where it's never going to be a hundred percent because emotional beings are always in the wave, but you know, 80 to 90% maybe you're going to feel a certain neutrality, right? So that's, that's the emotional being. I think also in the weight, the universe gets rid of a lot of noise for you. 
Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really details it you get clearer and clearer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. Then the next is the sacral being. So a good portion of the population will be a sacral. A sacral will only ever be a generator because it's the sacral defined. Um, so manifestors, projectors, reflectors won't have that defined, but sacral beings are the gut beings. They're the ones who, who can really tune to the gut, the yes or no. That's um, you, Amanda. Yeah. No, I'm an emotional authority. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> well, you know, the funny things with generators is that you're going to have the sacral response there, um, but you're still going to have to wait that emotional authority, right? So it's an interesting dynamic. It's like my will center is really lit up, which makes me have a lot of willpower. I can do, you know, basically whatever I want to do, I can pretty much do it. Um, but I've gotten into trouble when I only listen to that because it's not my authority, right? And that's how the mm. design system gets intricate because your, your gut may have a certain response, a yes or no, and it, li- and it likely will be correct a lot of times, but the emotional authority is still what you have to listen to, right? Mm. Because it may not be the right timing. You know, there may be more things that need to kind of like, like kind of neutralize themselves over time. So that the sacral being who's exclusively sacral, so it doesn't have that um, solar plexus defined, emotional center defined, and when you look at your chart, you'll be able to see this for those that are listening. Um, the sacral is the yes or no response. So when I, when I have sacral friends, you know, sacral generators who I, I respect and trust, um, sometimes maybe I'm not sure on something or, you know, I still got to wait my authority, but sometimes I like use them as a sounding board. I can ask them and they're, they're going to usually get very quickly give me a response because they have this like mm-hmm, mm-hmm type of energy with their, their knowing, you know. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, before I got in human design, I used to give this exercise to children when I used to work with children. Where, where I would uh, get them to practice tuning to their gut by um, uh, just saying their name in their mind, just like my name is Corey, my name is Corey, and then feeling what that feels like in the gut, and then saying like, my name is Mark, my name is Mark, my name is Mark. And there's a clear difference in the feeling. Even if you're not a sacral being, you'll generally be able to feel it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my initial way to, to teach children how to engage that. And they always could feel it. They're like, oh yeah, like, I, you know, I really can feel that. And adults too, you know, a lot of times. Um, and that's the, that's actually perfect for the sacral being because the sacral being is exactly that it's tuning to the yes or no, very clear, non-ambiguous type of response. Yeah. See? Um, so, you know, when you practice that with more basic decisions that you're not emotionally attached to, then as decisions that are more complex come into your life, you're going to be prepared in a sense, you know, you're going to have cultivated a certain awareness of the subtleties of your gut. Cause the gut's already, already speaking. It's just that, like when you look at a human design chart, all the white centers in your chart are going to be the places that you're most conditioned, right? Meaning the places where you're most susceptible to be pulled away from your authority. Mm. Um, and, and to me, that's an, not an endless exploration, but that just that topic alone can take a long time to really understand mm-hmm. and, and navigate, you know, okay, well, I've made a decision that's brought me into a real place of not feeling the best. Generally, that's going to be because there's a, a, a making a decision from an authority that's not the true authority, you know, mm. usually, usually out of the, the, the white centers. Um, so those are the two like core authorities. Uh, most of the population is going to be either of those. Um, there's, there's a few others. You know, you have a splenic authority, which is very spontaneous, making decisions in the moment, pretty much the opposite of emotional authority. Mm. Um, you know, they're very much in the now. Uh, likely most of us have heard of Eckhart Tolle. And he was a splenic projector. So, you know, all of his teachings are about in the now, being in the now, being in the moment, right? 
Which was um, against like the waiting, waiting it out and letting things come to you and letting things like continue to come to you. <laughs> it's like the exact opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a funny dynamic when you start to see it in that way, right? Like, I mean, of course, his teachings are very universal. And generally, when we come to that healing within ourselves, we're going to be able to depart universal teachings. But you can see that it's not necessarily always going to be exactly the same for all of us, right? Totally. Um, so yeah, so then you have splenic, you have mental projectors who are, you know, very much about reflecting within themselves and speaking things out, reflecting within the intellect of their mind. Um, people with no authority, which is similar to, uh, you know, what well, it is a, re a reflector, which is one in a, one in a hundred. Um, other people can be, you know, uh, you know, no authority, but reflectors are uh, in a sense that, I mean, they have 28 day cycles, but no authority and 28 days is kind of similar because you just got to wait a long time and you got to let your environment really dictate a lot of things. You know, mm. just you're pinging on the on the environment, letting the environment kind of germinate the decision where then it becomes clear, you know, over a course of time. Right. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's a so coming back to like the food or anything like our decision making process to see what is correct for us and what is not is going to follow this authority. And when we're not following the authority, we're going to find ourselves in resistance. Right. So it's not so much about what's good or bad. It's about what are we experiencing in our our like openness and surrender and, and, and love, you know, the fluid love that we experience when we're really feeling that the alignment of our naturalness, our natural path, or are we feeling the resistance uh, against what is arising and what is occurring? Uh, right. And, and, and this is, this, I, I will say this, it, it, like, going back to like child getting hurt and like outside of like the very fundamental laws of the universe, uh, those are just like, whether or not we're living our authority or not, those are not to be uh, like considered uh, like to be walked upon or not or this like you know we are not killing we are not stealing we're not <laughs> these are very clear things that we have to come back to um, yeah. keep us just to keep it practical right mm. um, but outside of that then yeah it's a it's quite a navigation <laughs> cool. yeah. some juicy topics absolutely Totally. They're fun to dive into too, because they, they spark a lot of questions around, you know, how do, how, how do I want to receive this information and how do I apply it to myself? And I think in knowing your, you know, especially just in knowing yourself, but also in knowing your, your chart, it can help you to um, kind of unpack it, I guess, like for myself, when I, when I'm listening, like there's, there's things again that you've, you've spoken with me on more than one occasion, but just letting it land again and remembering like, oh, right. Like I, you know, that difference between the emotional authority and the sacral authority. Like I was like, oh yeah, I totally know how to make decisions. I know like, you know, I do that. No problem. Yes. No. And then realizing, oh, it's not necessarily about that. It's about the emotional authority specifically. So I think that as we kind of digest this information and like chew it into chunks, like you're always going to f discover more of yourself that ultimately is already there. It's like, I was saying to Jazz, you know, like an Oracle card reading, like it's not like the Oracle card is telling you something that is like, this is your future. This is, you know, this is you pay attention. It's more just, Hey, here's like something to reflect on, to look at and to recognize what truths are real for you when you tune in and what was already there within you. That's now being shown. Um, through this, through this projection, through this mirror. Correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like the question that arises within me that everyone and, and myself included, like can constantly reflect upon is, is what feels most natural. 
you know, in this moment, what feels most natural. That mm -hmm. that's that's what's continued to simplify and bring so much joy and peace in my own experience and many that I work with because it's it's it's, it's the thing that we all have access to, regardless of our knowledge or ability to understand or you know like our history, our traumas. You know what feels most natural will always be what we have direct access to, mm -hmm. and. The more that we come back to that, especially in times we're feeling, you know, a bit stressed or we're like, oh, our day's not going right or this or that. We're feeling like, you know, don't know what's going on. We come back to that and it's like, well, uh, I forgot I got to take out the trash or like, oh, I just want to go and like have a drink or I want to like go sit with my dog or I want to give a phone call. Like the, the most natural unfoldment comes from this initial step. And there's no real place where that ever isn't the most important thing <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. it's it's always that and so like you said you know when you have the design or oracle card reading or a session with someone or a workshop or a retreat or whatever it's to it, it, it in my view it's it's going to be best designed for it to to bring us to this place rather mm -hmm. than to add you know more complexities where we're still worrying about step 2 to infinity and not just step step 1 yeah. right um, is it helping you to trust yourself are you right. learning to trust yourself? Mm. If it's if it's complicating that, then it's like maybe a step back is needed for now. Correct. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think sometimes in the beginning of our journeys, we make the mistake of looking for our answers in these tools, right? Or looking for the reason we feel a certain way or the solution to our problems. And I think we forget that a lot of the time it is about that self-acceptance piece of, of recognizing that we're not, it's not always going to be the light, right? There's that dark is so necessary for the experience to be had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Jazz. I think that it's, um, yeah, couldn't have said it better. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Should we finish with our five questions? Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So Corey, when do you feel the most powerful? Now. Beautiful. What is one thing in this modern world that's got to go? Cheese. Cheese? Cheese. Cheese. How dare you? <laughs> I don't know why that came up. It was first like cheesy puffs, but then it was just cheese. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Interesting. The dairy industry. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, what is I'm just saying what's initially coming. So go ahead. <laughs> cool. Cool. Uh, what's one thing this world needs more of? Love is the first thing that comes to mind. Love, and then I saw like a bunch of children playing, maybe on the innocence and just play, more play. Yeah. Mm. There. Absolutely. And what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? It's uh, I'm again. I'm just going with first come. So uh, it, the statement from my dad actually came, and he said, "If uh, uh, I guess the quote is like, um, if you fail to oh yeah, if you fail to plan, plan to fail." Mm. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anything you'd like our listeners to know? Any final last words? Uh, love yourself. You're loved. Mm. Just always come back to this. Just be easy on yourself, be compassionate, but yeah, be disciplined. You know, it's like the mother bear. Love, love is not just a, a, whatever image you have of love. It's kind of like the statement. There's a beautiful quote in the Buddhist tradition. It's if you see the Buddha on the road, kill him. 
And what, what it means is the, the image of the Buddha that you have in the mind has to be destroyed. You know, the image of your teacher, your guru, the master, God, universe, whatever, whatever ideas we hold about something in essence have to be destroyed because for us to live them, it's, it's, it's not something that can be just held in the mind, you know? Mm. Um, so when it comes to love, you know, we think of daisies and roses, but like the mother bear, you know, like the mother bear is soft and gentle with the cubs at times and is also like extremely intense when anything gets close to that, you know? Mm. So the the soft and tough love energy can manifest in many forms it's like it's like compassion and discipline we can be compassionate with ourselves in periods and we can be very disciplined with ourselves and others and in essence it's still compassion you know Absolutely. so yeah i feel you know we sink to the tr- like love love is more accurately defined as truth what feels true and that's not always the most un- uh, comfortable thing but that will inevitably at a certain point bring us to a sense of peace where we're not chasing bliss clouds, but we're in peace and contentment with our experience, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then we can be prepared for the times to come because it will get more ten- intense, um, you know, over the next 20, 30 years. So we have to, uh, you know, prepare ourselves by being here. <laughs> mm. I'm really letting that land. Love is what is true. And there's so many truths that exist as we know. So it's, I think that offers such a beautiful, opportunity to see the way in which other people behave, which we would normally, you know, or generally go, I don't like the way that person acts. And so, and that's not very loving. And who are they to say X, Y, Z when really, when we can kind of take that step back and just witness the behavior as their own truth. And it's ultimately always rooted in love. And it's just such such a beautiful way to reframe. So thank you for that. That's a beautiful way to reframe. Mm. Blessings, Amanda. Especially in these times where social media is just like popping with a million things, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always and ever. Great practice of acceptance. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Well, thank well, you, so Corey. Yeah, it is always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for being here today on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. Really good. I'll be back. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of a bonus session. Yeah. <laughs> future productions what's 2027 gonna look like uh yeah well i'm not a future uh, fortune teller but i definitely like i said i i think it's just as a as a you know side piece on this uh whole situation we're all living in you know um i i do feel things continuing to really intensify i feel like we've only scratched the surface of of what is to come um but I, I, I truly do believe that we are living in the times what all traditions have spoke to, uh, which is in a sense a splitting of worlds, you know, like, uh, because to be honest, m- my experience is heavenly. I, my, I live my life in a place of peace and ease the majority of the time. I mean, I'm a human, but like, I, 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 I was reflecting on it yesterday. I, I really feel like there's, in a sense, many worlds being split right now, you know. And some, for some, it feels very real that we're we're going to hell, or you know, something. All this stuff's falling apart, and all these things are occurring. For some, it's maybe a little bit of that, a little bit not, and then for others, maybe it's very little of that, if at all. Um, and and this has been spoken about for you know a very long period of time. So we have ultimately the choice uh, of where we would like to be, <laughs> you know, and exist. And, um, and because, yeah, it, it is going to intensify, but it doesn't mean our experience has to 
uh, go with wherever anything else is going. You know, we, 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 we have a natural trajectory of our journey, but we can surrender to the highest outcome of that journey. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's in essence up to us. Thanks for tuning into the show this week. We are so grateful for another opportunity to dive deep with you. If you want to connect with us even further, head to our website, www.consciouslycrewed.com. There you will find how to get in touch with both of us, upcoming events and workshops, and links to our social media platforms. We always welcome your input, so feel free to comment your questions, make guest suggestions, and let us know what you learned. And it is so, so, so appreciated that you please rate, comment, and share so we can grow this Conscious Collective platform. With gratitude, Amanda and Jazz.